This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstruck Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase, and with me as always, my man Cody. And the football season is officially over. Fantasy season's been over for a little while, yeah, but we did have our Super Bowl big game, as a lot of people would have to call it, but not here. It's the Super Bowl. Let's go. No, that game was on Sunday with, again, back-to-back Kansas City Chiefs taking down the Super Bowl win in overtime against the 49ers. Uh, how'd, you, how'd you enjoy the big game uh, alongside of 204 million people, most watched thing ever in the history of television? Yeah, the uh, Swifties were in full force last night, uh, really helping the NFL out there. I'm, I'm sure they appreciated that. I mean, it was a good game. I, I, w- I was entertained. I think these were the two best teams in football, and, and we got to see them on display. So I was very excited to, to see that. I know there's, you know, depending on which side of the fence you were on on this, you're going to see 49ers fans talking about all the missed holding calls and and all the, the, the ineligible receiver or ineligible lineman downfield on that game-winning touchdown pass, like all sorts of fun stuff. But like in the end, I think it was, you know, it was let them play mentality. I, I do think that it was uh, there was some officiating issues on both sides of the ball, but at, at the same time, I don't think it impacted the game. Um we got we got to see the stars do their thing. We got to see Brock Purdy play, you know, well in the Super Bowl against a, a very tough defense. And, you know, of course, the miracle magic of, of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I, I, this is what this is what you want as a fan. This is what you want as a as a fan of these teams, as a fan of the NFL. Uh, super exciting back to back champs. And we have a new dynasty, I think. Yeah, we are on the verge of that dynasty talk, and Patrick Mahomes is at the front and center of that, and that's going to lead directly into are we getting to that greatest of all time conversation? I think we'll leave you know the the real in depth analysis, if you want to call that analysis, for you know the the ESPN daily talk shows. Uh, I think that's probably better suited there, but <laughs> I think I think we're on the way to him having the chance. Right? Obviously, he needs to basically double what he's done in his first six years, which is crazy that it's only six years in. We're already talking about this potential, but it's there. Like if you continue to win at this rate, you're easily going to catch the Brady of the seven Super Bowls, right? Um, Now it's very hard to continue this level of dominance, but we kept saying it and we kept saying that this was one of the worst Chiefs teams that we've seen. I don't know if that's exactly true. Definitely one of the worst offenses that we've seen from the Chiefs during this run, but I think you do have to start talking about the potential of that goat term thrown around and this dynasty term thrown around because of the dominance that they've had over this six year run. Yeah. I mean, when you really, when you talk about that, like Tom Brady played with a bunch of different wide receivers. Yes. He had some, some hall of famers throughout there as well. And some, you know, very good NFL wide receivers at the, at the time. Um, I mean, truly he had Rasheed Rice. He has Travis Kelsey. And this was, you know, again, a group of wide receivers that was pretty much, you know, crapped on all year long. You know, MVS can't do anything right. Kadarius Tony's a clown. You know, then you have then you have the the second round picks of Sky Moore and, and seeing what he can actually be, and it's it's absolutely nothing. So, it, it, yeah, Richie James hurt throughout the entire year, and, and he was a, a guy you brought over to to play some sort of role. Michael Hardman, 
got cut and came back and, and had a role in the Super Bowl. Like he's it's Tom Brady esque, right? Like you're able to elevate the players around you, uh, make them contending teams year in and year out. And you're right, though. He, he he's on pace if he continues to do what he's doing. But we've seen it before where, where careers either flame out or things don't go their way. Organizations can't continue to build the same way. I don't have a, a fear about that right now. It seems like he's well on his way. He's having one of the best runs for sure to start some, start a career. And I do think that when it's all said and done, he's going to be in that conversation uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah, going for a three-peat now. And if he can get the three-peat, I think that will will start solidifying things in people's minds, even though he's he's going to be you know only playing for, for, what, nine years at that point. Or, sorry, eight years at that point. So dynasty side of things, I think we've seen yeah. a pretty drastic shift, at least in the startup mocks that we've been doing as those have been going on for a couple months now that we've been out of the fantasy football season, but he wins another Super Bowl. Does he go back into that one-on-one conversation? I think he's still there for a lot of people, but it does feel like fantasy wise, dynasty wise, we've shifted over to Josh Allen being that one-on-one startup pick. Yeah, I'm not changing that. I'm not changing that at this point. I mean, if they give him some additional weapons and you make this seem like it's going to be more of a pass-happy attack where he can uh, he can attack more secondaries versus just kind of whatever the offense gives him, he's still a top three option. I do think that, but I, I'm, I'm on the Josh Allen hype train for this. And we're not playing a 10-year game. I'm playing in the next two to three years. And Josh Allen has been, what, a top top three or a quarterback every single year since since his rookie season he's, i believe he's finished one or two in the last five yeah. years straight i believe that's good enough run for me i'm gonna i'm gonna take that uh not that patrick mahomes isn't great and and isn't very good he could absolutely do that but i just don't think the pieces are in place to to, to allow him to do that for fantasy purposes and he doesn't uh, have the, the rushing upside He's got the potential to be the quarterback one every single year, right? Like that's always yeah. going to be there and he's going to be one of the most, as long as he wants to play, probably still play within that top 10, regardless of what happens with this team always, you know, as long as he's still wanting to play. But yeah, like you said, the upside that the Josh Allen, uh, even Jalen Hurts, I could argue taking over him as well, just because of what that rushing profile represents. So I don't think there's much conversation there. Uh, anything else on yeah. Super Bowl before we really get into here? Anything else you want to talk on on this Absolutely. Monday that should be a national holiday? I don't know why we have to go and work on this day. Like, just make it <laughs> make it happen already. Actually, before we get into it, though, there is a potential if we get that 18th game that we push this one more week and it goes on President's Day. And then if that happens, President's Day could be turned into the mandated government official holiday that yeah, we get yeah, off. Yeah. Just make it Saturday. Make the Super Bowl Saturday. I, I honestly, I don't care. I mean, I, I wish it was a day off. I wish they gave people a day off. It was, it was not a fun day to work. I, a lot of the clients I work with took the day off anyway. So it's like, if if business owners aren't working either, then why am I? Um. So yeah, it, I'm with you. There is one other thing or two other things I kind of want to touch on here because it it is significant because there was talk about this wrapping up the season that like Andy Reid might retire. Travis Kelsey might retire and that's been it sounds like it's been kiboshed you know Reed says he's coming back he wants to go for the three-peat Kelsey when he was doing his little Super Bowl announcement when he's holding the Lombardi trophy talking about you know basically like we're going to celebrate this now and then tomorrow it's you know it's right back at it we're we're, we're ready for next year like that there was no even like thought of like retirement conversation so Travis Kelsey is coming back 
and we we did see i don't want to say it was a decline of sorts but we did see him take a step back from being that like clear separator top four you know wide receiver type numbers in fantasy to being a you know again a top three option in and at the position but it wasn't as significant of a, a a war difference this year so we know we got one year of travis kelsey at least where is he at for you in dynasty today i do think it's you know it's good to see that we do it does seem like he is coming back. He didn't propose to Taylor Swift on the field. They're not going to go on tour together and start their lives and start their family because they're massively in love. And, you know, we love love here, but we're going to keep getting him to play, which is nice. He can do that later. We got a couple more years of Travis Kelsey being dominant on the field before they become the power couple that the world needs and the world wants to see for the rest of time. Outside of that, going back to Dynasty, Got to get, got to get the important things in there, though, right? Yeah, of course, of course. But in dynasty, in the you know the small little game that we play on the side, it's interesting, right? Because I do think that he still has the upside and ability to be that, uh, to be a difference making tight end. I don't think that's gone away. However, I do think everybody's looking at the same thing. Like he's taken a, he looks to be, have taken a step back. Either that was due to the injury nagging him all season long, but it's probably just that age is actually getting to be a factor and getting to him at this point, right? Like that makes sense just with where he's at in his career at 34 and a half years old currently right now. Uh, That's going to be a natural progression, right? But having that upside and having that ability, I think he's going to slot in right as about my tight end six still right behind. Currently, KTC has it. Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Kincaid, Mark Andrews, and then I'd probably slide in Kelsey right there. Okay. I'm okay with that. So with with where things are at today, you, you know, you, you I know it's roster specific because I do think that Travis Kelsey is still a win now piece. You going out and sending an early second to go get Travis Kelsey. If you get a tight fire. end premium basically is where you have to make that determination uh, yeah. well, for me. We we uh, you're right. Well, let me clarify <laughs> that because I think everything we play in is 1.75 minimum. And, you know, without the two tight ends and things like that. So 1.75 minimum, you going out and spending a 202 to go get Travis Kelsey. Uh, The team is in the position and requiring a spot for it's missing a tight end. It's missing a potentially difference making tight end. But if I have another top 10 tight end, I'm probably not going out and spending that pick. But if I'm rostering like the Noah fans of the world or Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett is my top guy and that's the piece that I need to probably push this team to contention. Then yeah, sure. We'll go out and we'll throw, we'll go throw two Oh two on a uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, you have him immediately. Out. I mean, per, me personally, I'm immediately having him over the Jatavian Sanders. Would you have Brock Bowers immediately coming into the league over a Travis Kelsey? I think that one's, you're going to sit into the potentially just team direction there, but I do think that they're pretty close and you might just regardless, take the age difference there. Yeah, I mean, the, for me, it's clear it's Brock Bowers, uh, yeah. just just because of the name value that you know. And again, we're talking just associating picks, like you're talking about, like the 105, 106 in, in drafts right now, or, or in rookie drafts, um, in comparison to the two hundred two, which is probably where you're going to get JT Sanders. But yeah, I, I I would think that Bowers just because of his youth, what what he can be, the the, the mystique of him as a player, people are still going to like him. Could, 
is there the likelihood that Travis Kelsey outscores him this upcoming season? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. In a scenario where Travis Kelsey is the, the better on-field production. And I think that's kind of what you're looking at. I mean, I, the rosters that I have Travis Kelsey on, I'm just like, hey, cool. I get one more year. Maybe two. And, and I'm taking it because what I had him for, I'm, I'm still going to take him as a top eight option. I still think he's going to be a top eight tight end. I don't necessarily know you're going to be able to get out from underneath of him just because it is potentially a year-to-year thing at this point, and we did see a little bit of a decline uh, or a decline enough that people are concerned. But maybe he sp- starts off the year hot and you you just ride it or you try and trade out from underneath that and capitalize on the potential value spike that we can see in season. I just think right now you're going to tr- struggle to get him away from certain teams. But uh, check it out. You got you to explore. You got to try. Every league, it's going to be league dependent and owner specific, but you got to try. Yeah. Interesting player because it is just like, where is your team? Like, it's yep. he's one of the few players where it has no purpose on so many teams and high purpose on almost every other one. I mean, he's still finished, even with the decline, as like tied in two on the year, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he, he declined back into being. Dallas Goddard of the past or the David and Joku's uh, Evan Ingram's of the world. So I, I will say before we, before we move on that, like the big thing that I think about too, with these aging players, like, you know, Keenan Allen just comes to mind because like everyone says his value wouldn't increase. He's not going to be, you know, he is what he is. You take the production you can get. Otherwise you're trading him for a second. I mean, we did see lots of Keenan Allen trades for single first this year. Like when he was producing, he was you know, a top six option at the position before the injury, of course, did see first round picks. If Kelsey goes out there and does things, you know, that uh, a la old Kelsey, you're going to find some trade value for him. If you really need to get out from under him, you'll have the opportunity to maybe your your contender isn't an actual contender. And, and you're like, hey, I can get something for Kelsey. Just keep your eyes open. The offseason isn't the time to do it. So, um, right. yeah. Anything else before we move on? Out of this game, I don't have too much other than just the overtime rules was fascinating to see 49ers players not even exactly know what was happening. And I didn't even know what was happening. I'm like screaming at the TV, yelling, uh, yelling for the Chiefs to take a timeout there. The clock's running down to like 10 seconds left. And I'm like, the game is over if you don't score. I don't even know what the overtime rules are. I thought at least the NFL teams would, but apparently the, some of the 49ers players didn't actually know what was going on either. I think Michael Hardman said he didn't even know he had won the game whenever they catch the, whenever he catches the touchdown pass there. He had to be told by Patrick Mahomes that he just won the Super Bowl because of his catch. Uh, that that was just a fascinating one. And why was, even have a clock whenever you have to have both teams possess and then go into sudden death after that? There's no reason for a clock anymore. So the thing that kind of threw me off was like normally even in playoff games of years past and, and maybe I wasn't paying attention when it did shift because there's always so many commercials in between things. But like normally they show you the rules or they talk about the rules or, you know, it, it just went straight to the coin toss. And I was like sitting there thinking like when they when they did the coin toss, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the playoff rules are different and that, you know, if you win the toss, you probably want to actually elect to uh, go on defense first. You know, this way you at least know what you got to do no matter what you can either score a touchdown field goal whatever it is like you you kind of have that 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 idea in your head and then they chose chose to take the ball and i'm like maybe i'm wrong and like there was no explanation there was no conversation to like the final three minutes of overtime and i'm all like wait a second <laughs> yeah i mean it threw me off too and again it was one of those things like as a fan i probably should know a little bit more especially being tapped in it's like i probably should have known exactly what was going on but I, in the moment, neither of these are my team. Didn't think this was going to happen, and I'm like, oh yeah, like of course the the biggest game of the season with the most you know, most on the line. 
happens to be the overtime game with the rule changes this year. And uh, it sounds like the 49ers had no clue and a good chunk of Chiefs knew, but it also seems like a good chunk didn't. So, yeah, yeah wild. The only thing I would say there on them taking the ball like that, that defense was out there for like the last six minutes of the game and just got absolutely ran through. Um, I, I don't think it was right still, but I can understand not wanting to put your defense up immediately back onto the field and just be basically already in desperation mode just to go back and to get a touchdown. Because it felt like at that point, all momentum was with the Chiefs and they weren't going to be stopped on offense. So. Yeah, I totally way. agree with you. And I I felt the same way when that drive was going on. I'm like, worst case scenarios, like, you know what? This buys your defense a breather. Like you got you had the the change of you know the the coin toss, you had the drive going down, and and you know, you kick your field goal, but hey, you, you bought your defense a, a breather, gave them a chance to to get some life, and we still saw the end result. And if Jake Moody doesn't duff a extra point, they it doesn't even get there anyway. Yo, no kidding, man. Also, last no. thing, last thing before we get into some of the other news that <laughs> came out of like the Radio Row stuff, because there is some stuff that we need to overreact to before we move on to the post Super Bowl game. How is it that the Super Bowl longest kick was only like 52 yards? That seems incredibly short. I know that we've really only gotten to this like you should basically be able to hit everything up to 60 in the last like 10 years or so. And before that, it was like anything over 50 was wild to hit. But it feels like at some point we had to have, I mean, to break the record twice in the same game is just absolutely wild to me. I know we don't like kicker talk on most fantasy shows, but just <laughs> that that only being 52 is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, and then I think it, what Bucker has it at 57 now, and he just absolutely drilled it. I do think it's the, it's the scare, right? Like it's that scare factor of if you miss a 50 plus yarder that you're giving your opposition the ball almost at midfield. And so it's like a, it's almost like you're not playing for the points you're playing for field position and, and hoping that your defense can hold out. But I'm, I'm with you. Like I, you'd figure with the Justin Tuckers of the world that have been in there, the Vinatieri's like there, there've been some hall of fame kickers in the super bowl that would have hit some 50 plus yarders, maybe close to a 60. And it's like, Nope. Not even. It's just like if it if it gets the fifty, it's like coaches get nervous and they're like, I don't want to give you the ball in the forty. Like I don't want to do that. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's funny you say that too. But yeah, um, anything else we should dive into some of the rumors here. Now let's get into all the stuff that came out of the last week, the all the radio road talk that was really going on. Uh, let's get into let's get into the big ones first. I think let's get into the big ones here. We'll go with the quarterback contract talks, and those are going to be all of the quarterbacks from 2021 being eligible for that contract extension. And so the big one that we really heard here lately was the Tua Tagovailoa contract, and it sounds like they are both working to do that. But people are pretty flabbergasted with the number coming out saying that he's going to basically reset the Joe Burrow market and get $55 million a year. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I don't think he resets it, but I do think he gets probably 50. It's, I mean, with the, the salary cap changing, like it's always like a fluctuating thing right like so every single year there's more more revenue there's there's these teams you know the salary cap like the percentage of salary cap basically changes or it's similar to what it was in the past so it's a i could see it i could see it i i, I wouldn't love it if i'm a dolphins fan i wouldn't love it either um I wouldn't rule it out, though. I do think that I think they get a contract done no matter. What. I do think they get a contract done. I think it's going to be uh, with you, like fifty plus, and I could see them resetting it. I just 
for the nature of the sport, where these quarterback contracts are, it happens all the time every year. I mean, we've seen, I know he's two is not winning a Super Bowl this year, but we saw uh, Flacco reset the quarterback market back in the day when he yeah. won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so it's like Carr reset it, then Matthew yeah. Stafford reset it, and then There's Rogers reset it. it. Yeah, yeah, there's names that do it all the time, and like, yes, we have the the young and up and comers that are that are resetting it now, and and two, we had so many you know question marks around his actual contract situation, but I could see it happening. I really could. I do. I I think they have to keep him around. It's that it's that conversation yeah. of like you, you. It's basically what the market demands, and you have to pay it. Otherwise, he's going to go elsewhere, and then you're another one of these teams that we see across the league who are just rifling through quarterbacks every two to three years and just continuously failing and can never get back in any sort of contention. I think you have to do it. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that one, but I don't think either of us have any concerns long-term with Tua based on a contract basis. Yeah, exactly. And if he's tied to that Miami offense, you're going to want him for fantasy. He's going to be a top 12, 14 option. We'll see how the the, the landing spots land for these rookies, but I I feel like he's just going to be locked in. Everyone wants the contract just to make sure but if he's healthy, I mean, he's a very good quarterback. He has his ups and downs, but I think he's in that, what, QB 10 to 14 range where you can kind of flip any of them around and take your pick. Right, yeah. Basically sitting in that Dak Purdy um, love probably a little bit higher than those guys now in the general consensus, but I think he kind of falls into that range too. So good flat tier backup, you know, those back end quarterback ones that can always finish up in quarterback six range. So. Definitely love those guys and not worried at all about Tua Tagovailoa. Another quarterback that we got some news from on the Radio Rose set was the Kirk Cousins injury, recovering from his Achilles. Um, I know he was on Pat McAfee's show saying he did get the longer-term surgery, but he was already taking some light dropbacks, and he was potentially trying to basically, on his timeline, be back in the next three months. And so that would put him on playing it minimum by the start of the year, and regardless, teams are going to look at Kirk Cousins and I do believe guaranteed starter going into 2024 with some team here. So I don't know if that's going to be with Minnesota because they do have to figure out that Justin Jefferson contract and that's going to be yeah. quarterback money that he's going to demand. <laughs> don't know if they can do them both, but I do think that he, he's another quarterback that initially when we saw this timeline we were thinking that this could be like a pup candidate but from the timeline that he's putting out looks like he could even be ready by um, the beginning of the season if not earlier yeah the the big conversation around Kirk Cousins was he like supposedly the request for and he's been Mr. Guaranteed Money Um, what was it two years 45 million dollars each year so 90 million dollar total for uh, for his contract is what I believe the request was Uh, So people I've seen both sides coming out saying like that's fair and reasonable. And I've seen people saying, oh, that's crazy for a 34, 35 year old, you know, injury or quarterback coming back from an injury to to demand that kind of money. And it's like he's played well. And and the Achilles injury for a quarterback, like a non mobile quarterback at that, like, I don't think it's going to be devastating to him. It's going to be, you know, again, we'll have to see how it actually impacts him. So I get the concern by some general managers and front offices of not wanting to take that risk on someone, but if it works out, he's going to be worth every single penny if he's Kirk Cousins of of past. So, I tell you, I'd much rather just pay Kirk Cousins forty million dollars than have to trade a first overall draft pick for Justin Fields and then figure out a fifth year option on him as well. <laughs> much rather do that. Yeah, yeah, that's some crazy talk too. I, I, I. 
if a franchise does it, please Denver, please don't do it. Don't be you. Uh, but yeah, if there is a franchise that does go out there and give a first round pick for him, that's crazy. But yeah, I, he, he should have suitors. I think Kirk Cousins will have suitors, especially if he is healthy and the timeline is accurate. Like, you know, doctors are going to team doctors are going to want to check it out, really make sure that that is true and see where he's at. So uh, we'll find out more as the offseason goes on and as, as free agency opens up in March. Uh, definitely have some big stuff going on. You know, March I think fifteenth is when the, the actual free agency kicks off. But yes, so we'll get some get some rumors around then and and see kind of how the quarterback landscape shakes out. Moving into the next quarterback one that we got, everybody's favorite offensive coordinator hire of Artie Smith to the Pittsburgh Steelers looks destined for a reuniting with Ryan Tannehill. What do we think about? Obviously, this one is far from actually being confirmed or anything like that they're probably in talks but the connection does make sense for everybody to plug these two together right they did just cut mitch trubisky so they're sitting there only with mason reindeer rudolph and kenny pickett you need something else they've talked about bringing in competition i don't think any of these guys are going to change your franchise around but dan hill's been good at just operating an offense with arthur smith before i think it would look better than it would with kenny pickett to be honest so I'd, I'd be interested to see what shakes out of a quarterback room of Kenny Pickett, Ryan Tannehill, and Mason Rudolph. We said this day one. like That was my first thought. As soon as Arthur Smith got signed there, I'm like, I know they have a full – and at the time they had Trubisky, you had a full quarterback room, but Tannehill's a free agent. We, we brought it up a few weeks ago. It's like he's a free agent. This is a perfect landing spot. You already have mystery around Pickett. Yes, they've talked about giving Rudolph a chance, but it's an open quarterback competition. That's all it sounds like to me is like – Anyone that's in that quarterback room is going to get a chance to start. It might be Kenny Pickett's job day one, but in the end, no one knows that system better than Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he was super successful with it in Tennessee, didn't have the weapons that he's going to have. I mean, A.J. Brown, but still, like, you know, he's he's going to have Deontay, hopefully, there's rumors of him getting traded. You're going to have Pickens. You're going to have, a, you know, decent tight ends. You're going to have a great running game again. It, it just feels very Arthur Smith, Ryan Tannehill ish, like perfect situation for them could work out really well for Kenny Pickett as well. Be, you know, being a young quarterback, having a good run game, play action, those types of things. But if it doesn't work or it's shaky at all, you have the perfect plan of, of Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to really know, but another guy that I think Ryan Tannehill at minimum, either, either if it's in Pittsburgh or if it's somewhere else is going to be one of the, highest leverage backup or potential starting quarterbacks in the league. And he's definitely all, all three of these guys have to be rostered all of Mason Rudolph, all of Kenny Pickett. And one of the few places where I'm actually going to roster all three quarterbacks on uh, Superflex dynasty teams. Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to see some of these guys. All, I think all three could start. Like I think throughout the entire year, all three could and probably should start just to see exactly how they can execute that offense. But um, yeah, anything else you want to touch on? Or should we move on to just a real quick touch on Russell Wilson? No, go, go with the uh, Russell Wilson with the uh, Sean Payton uh, weirdest interview that I've almost ever seen besides another one that we're going to talk about. So awkward. It was just like one of those things where like Sean Payton's interviewing it was with Kay Adams, right? Like yes. and just just going through and just talking and asked about what's what the future is with Russ. And he just just coach speak the the crap out. Like I was confused. Kay was confused. I think everyone was listening to it just like, yeah, we got the quarterback. You know, we always look at the end of the season, regardless of how much money they have or make. 
you know, is, is the answer to this position in the, in the building? Do we have to go out and find it? You know, and just kind of just danced around it for like three to four minutes. I'm like, <laughs> what did you just say? And, and it sounds nothing. absolutely nothing, but it does sound like there's going to be a decision soon on Russ. Like I think that was the the synopsis of it is there's going to be a very quick decision made um, as this offseason plays out on Russ. There was talks of him potentially getting traded. I just don't think it's going to work out with that that contract that he has. So there's a high probability he's getting cut and he's going to have the opportunity to go wherever. But it was just such a dance around the question where it was almost like at first I thought he was going to say like, yeah, Russ still has a chance to be a quarterback of this team. I'm like, there is no way you're going to lie to the entire world right now that, and say Russ has a chance <laughs> to be the quarterback of the Broncos, right? It, it yeah. felt like he was trying to retain a little bit of like the potential of trade value on Russ, but just couldn't stomach to say anything nice about him at all. And so he was just trying to find words to get through the t- through the question. And it ended up taking three minutes because he was just so uncomfortable about talking about the situation. It was just weird. But at the end of the day, he did say, you want to find a quarterback that you fall in love with? The answer was yes. And from all accounts, I don't think he is in love with Russell Wilson. He is not in love with with Russell Wilson. I can tell you that for sure. You talk about awkward interviews. Uh, Let's just roll right into the other awkward interview because – the, the conversation of JSN sitting there getting asked the question about Shane Waldron, the new Chicago Bears, you know, offensive coordinator was one of the weirdest things ever too. like, and I know he's a young player. He's there with Chris Olave. They're just having just ran, you know, just basic conversation and like gets asked the question, you know, what are your thoughts on on how things could work out with Justin Fields, Shane Waldron and this offense for Chicago? And it was just like the most awkward pause uh is this live like like you know you don't say like, you just can't say that you just can't say that and let that get out there and then just the way he was like good luck y'all and just kind of went into doing his he, coach speak it was the he tried weird. to save it with that like cliche talk of just like he's he's gonna love him and it's gonna be all great and they're really gonna work well together and, and then yeah like like you said at the very end it was just like so uh Good luck. Now, Chicago fans may be a little bit worried about that. I think there's two different ways you could look at it. Of one, he actually doesn't think that, you know, he was very good at his job at all. But two, and probably more realistic, he's a once lauded as being a top five overall draft pick back in the day, whenever he had that sophomore year at Ohio State. And then he comes in and he's playing third string and not even getting on the field more than like 50% of snaps. I tend to lean that that's more of the way that this one went of just like he holds a little bit of a personal grudge for just the usage and the timing in which he was used throughout the year in that Seattle Seahawks offense in his rookie year. And it probably negatively impacted him. I mean, you can see it in dynasties now, like the seventh receiver off the board. If we were to redraft the first round of 2023 right. rookie drafts, and it's because of the usage that he had. And he's it's because he was playing behind two other guys. Now there's guys very good in Lockett and DK, but I think that that's more of where that hesitation and that just true disgust almost coming from JSN came from. Yeah, and that's that's exactly how I feel. I mean, again, we'll never know the true answer to that question. I guess we will know the true answer to that question when we see what the offense looks like in Chicago, when we see how good JSN is this year. Uh, if you know, maybe he got in the doghouse of Waldron and they're like, hey, we got a guy that 
knows how to execute this offense. Why, why are we going to put you as the two in this offense? And I, that's kind of what I've heard is, is that Waldron does favor vets in the offense and gives them kind of the priority, but he's a first round wide receiver. Like in the end, if he was, if he was good enough to beat out Lockett, he should have beat out Lockett. But uh, I guess we'll find out. We will find out. There's definitely animosity there, no doubt about it. And I think asking JSN, you know, what he what his thoughts were, were probably not the smartest thing to do from uh from the, the no. And then also he, taking it from the conversation of like you have to talk about Justin Fields there because yeah. you have to pair it with Justin Fields because he's still the quarterback there. So like it, it puts him in a weird situation where like he can't really talk about. You can't even like bring up. Caleb Williams or somebody else being there either. Yes, to talk about it being good for Justin and DJ Moore and all those guys. Weird situation to put him in. And the uh the face that Chris Olave sitting next to him no. makes whenever he says that. By far the funniest thing that I've seen from Radio Row out of all of those interviews that came out, Chris Olave's face whenever he's in that like pause is just if you haven't seen the video, go look it up. One of the funniest things I've seen. So awkward. So awkward. But yeah, so we'll just continue on from there. So we have obviously JSN talking about about that situation, and he does have a new offensive coordinator, and that is going to be, and we have not hit on this one, but Ryan Grubb, the former Washington Huskies offensive coordinator, Alabama offensive coordinator for a week and a half, and now he is the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator. Gets to stay close to home, gets to stay in Seattle, but he had one of the most pass happy offenses in college. We'll see kind of how that translates. What's he? What he exactly does uh, with the weapons that he has in Seattle? But I feel like this has got to be like some sort of optimism. I mean, it's you talked about the mystery box last last week about you know the, the pure mystery box at the head coaching positions and things like that. This seems like a giant mystery box of stuff going on in Seattle. It's interesting how Mike McDonald really landed on Grubb is, I mean, there's, there's no real connection between the two. Interesting how this, I mean, he, he said basically if he got a job anywhere, Grubb was going to be his first choice as offensive coordinator. And I mean, through the work that we've seen him do alongside Kalen DeBoer during his time in college, I can understand, you know, they've had very, they've had very good success running through college i mean him and DeBoer have been together since 2007 back whenever they started off at sioux falls in the college days and now working all the way up to going to the ranks of alabama like that's damn impressive but again how much of it's DeBoer? how much of it is grub we'll see what that really looks like but there's another washington guy i'm 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 decently excited for you know I'm, i'm excited about the upside for the offense still looking you know that Washington Huskies team did have three very good wide receivers and, you know, you've got three very good wide receivers in that Seattle system as well, but there's concerns about Geno Smith being a long-term viable option. And you've got a team here that could be looking to pick up a second round quarterback in his quarterback of Michael Penix jr. If he were to fall there to the second and Seattle would be able to take him there. And that was literally the first thought that went through my head too. It's like, Everyone gets to stay home. Nice little storyline. Gino's not a long-term solution. You know, again, it's I don't know if Penix is ready day one. Maybe he is um, to to give pressure. But again, I think Gino's contract is pretty cuttable, especially after this year. So yeah. they can get rid of him after twenty twenty four if they really wanted to. You know, get get a nice year of, of of grooming, understanding kind of what what the NFL speed is like, but no one, again, no one's going to know that offense any better than, than Michael Penix jr. So 
will be very interesting to see what they do on draft day if Penix does actually have the potential to land there or does land there. And, you know, I don't, we'll see how this offense translates as a whole. I mean, they threw the ball more than anybody in college. I think it was at 62% or just under 62% of, of, of the downs they, they passed. And it's like, hey, if you want to go out there and chuck the ball 700 times with Geno Smith, like maybe it works. Maybe, maybe it works, but I don't know. So, I'm intrigued. I think all of the coordinators and all of the names that are tied to these uh, these situations are of interest, but it could be a absolute disaster or it could be a complete masterpiece. So hard I mean, to I'm excited. Hard to know once you get to the men's league, right? Hard, hard to know, but it does present it, it presents the upside. I would love to see Gino throw it to your point earlier. He is safe probably through 2024, but 2025, nine million dollar roughly dead cap so they can move on from that pretty easily interesting to see though and we've got one more offensive coordinator to talk about before we wrap up i think this is finally all of the coaching hires that we're going to see yes and we won't have to talk about this anymore um over the last four weeks we've been kind of rolling out some of these as they've gone and that is going to be clint kubiak going to new orleans to be the oc there alongside with dennis allen the head coach I really like this fit, honestly. I really like what this offense could be and should have been even last year. While we're sitting here with the Derek Carr, you've got the Chris Olave, you've got four tight ends on the roster who are more than serviceable. Rashid Shahid, I think you could use one more weapon to kind of replace the bones of Michael Thomas. And if you get one more wide receiver weapon in there, we've seen Derek Carr obviously didn't have his best year. But he's going to be there as well because they're going to have to redo his contract because their Saints are always in $80 million of cap hell over the cap. And they've already talked about it. Like the contract is going to be there. The restructuring is going to be inevitable for Derek Carr. So he's probably going to get two years minimum in the New Orleans Saints offense to work with Clint Kubiak. I like where this one looks. I, I like the upside that this could bring for both Carr and Olave, Shahid, everybody in this offense, really. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. This is something we talked about when it was rumored. And now that we know it's official, I believe it's officially official. But now that it's official, um, I, I'm super excited. Like I, the, the the coaching tree that is just taken over, like the Kyle, Sh- or not Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree. I guess it is kind of Kyle's coaching tree as well. Now. now, yeah, it's just immense. And like you had all of the Shanahan's, the Kubiaks and things like that. You have Stefanski, North Turner. You know, I know North Turner is part of who, um, Clint Kubiak learned under as well, but it's just taken over the league. And so Clint Kubiak has a good stable of running backs too. He's going to have Alvin Kamara and people. I, I saw someone on social media saying, Oh yeah, you can just cut Alvin Kamara and clear up money. It's like, I don't know if you understand how the salary cap works, but he has 17 million dead cap. And yes, he has an 18 million cap hit, but it's like, you're not saving a million dollars by cutting Alvin Kamara. That's not where this money comes from. Anyways, you have, I know Jamal Williams, Looked a little bit of Jamal Williams of old, um, and yeah, I mean of Jamal like three years Williams ago. Days. Jamal, I love that. <laughs> and then you know Kendra, Kendra. We'll see how he can do again. Now a full year removed from injury. Um, hopefully he can have you know play a more significant role. But you have a run game. You have good pass catching tight end. Uh, you have a, two of them, I guess. I don't know what you consider Taysom Hill in that offense, but they do need some other weapons besides Michael Thomas to, to help support Chris Olave. Uh, Shahid has stepped up and has has played his role very well, but I would like to see them add one more pass catching weapon in that offense. But it has to be optimism. You have to be optimistic for that that team. It can't be 
any worse than what it was. Uh, it, it looked god awful last year at times, uh, from from what we saw in the preseason to what was actually displayed on NFL games was just two different teams. So uh, very excited for that team as well. Anything else you want to touch on with these New Orleans Saints? I always have to remember that he's like 34 years old because he came into the league at like 28 or something. But I'm fascinated with Taysom Hill in this offense. Like as I was talking through it and just piecing the connection back with San Francisco and like they use like a Kyle Juszczyk type like and how just creative offensively scheme they can use a player like Taysom Hill. I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. I, 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 I've, Again, I forget that he's 34 years old at times. And he should, <laughs> like he's probably close to almost retiring at this point. But old man Taysom Hill, I think that would. I'm very interested more so from a. I mean, hell, he's put up top 12 fantasy seasons at the tight end position, and if you're playing in sleeper, he's got the quarterback designation along with him. So, absolute best ball gem. And I don't think Taysom Hill is going anywhere. I think he could actually see. A little bit of usage. I might I might go out and try to get me a couple more Taysom Hills in some of those sleeper leagues where I can use them as that super flex. Yeah, someone dropped him on a on a run to in the playoffs. Like they were they just dropped Taysom Hill and I, I scooped him up as quickly as I could. I was like, I, I don't know what his role is gonna be next year. No one does, but he he finds a way to get on the football field doing football things. And so whether that's quarterback, tight end, halfback, fullback, wide receiver, I don't know what they're going to use him as. He's going to be on the offense. He's going to be on the field if he's healthy. So, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to to another year of Taysom Hill. But uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up all of our coaching changes, major kind of news. I, I know that I'll just bring up briefly like the Brandon Ayuk drama. Uh, supposedly, his family's out there on social media talking about. Um, him leaving and not wanting to be there because he only had three catches in the Super Bowl and just I. This is what happens every year. We're going to start seeing the narratives of all these players that are up for contracts or could be up for extensions. I know he has the fifth-year option still available for him, so there's a good shot he gets tagged or he at least gets hit with that. And then you know maybe he's a trade candidate. Who knows? But I, you know he's going to not want to play on that fifth-year option. He's going to want that extension and, and then call it a day. So that's one to monitor and see how dramatic things get there. But Debo did this last year. Was it last year or the year before? I forgot. It's all it all blends together at this point. <laughs> I think we're two years out of that one. Now. Two years out, yeah. So San Francisco's no uh not unfamiliar with the drama from their wide receivers. You're 24 hours out of the worst loss of your life. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not taking anything your family Insane. is saying seriously at this point. Just want to monitor. And this is just the offseason stuff. This is just like the new age contract negotiation. Like, how can we leverage the 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 public opinion against the team where it's like oh you got to give them a contract you can't let Ayuk go so I can't wait for scrubbing of social media accounts that we get all throughout oh, yeah. the offseason of he's removed the San Francisco 49ers from all social media okay all right <laughs> I guess it's news and we have to talk about it it's that time of year though like the football season is officially over fantasy's been over but the football season is officially over as far as like games being played for the nfl we have we have the the new was it is it ufl that's coming out now yes I, the, the combination so that's going to start kicking off here in march we'll, we'll have the combine in two weeks so we'll have the combine stuff going on in two weeks get to see a lot of these players in action uh hear a lot of of what's going on so again we're gonna hear the underwear olympics is going to be full force we're going to see some 
monstrous six foot two, 270 pound linebacker running a four, two, nine or something ridiculous. Like there's always some crazy stuff happening at the combine. So that'll be fun week after that. We'll have the tag week. So we'll have to have franchise tags in. Then the week after that, we will have NFL free agency officially kicking off, even though there's that fun tampering period where we hear agreements on trade or agreements on contracts prior to free agency opening up. So anyways, lots of fun stuff happening prior to uh, the, the NFL draft. Yeah. We're not slowing down at all. Like you said, I mean, combine is one of my favorite times and pro days, honestly, not so much. I think those are a little bit more of a just media fest than anything, but combine, I'm really excited to see, you know, we'll get to see, the Brock Bowers that we mentioned earlier in the sh- in the show, auto tr- auto trader Brock Bowers at six foot one eighty, whatever he's going to weigh in, <laughs> go into the uh, combine uh, potentially hurt his draft stock, and then J T Sanders is going to, you know, he's going to fall to being one A one B with J T Sanders because he weighs in light or something like that after like twenty. <laughs> that picture with Gronk already causes a little bit of a panic, though. I mean, I'm not going to lie, like. I knew it was Brock Powers, but like when you look at that picture, you're like, that is the auto trader. Just I'm on site here to help set up this platform kind of guy. It's like, I'm going to go meet Gronk real quick. Just no, that that is Gronk's video guy. Like that, that's just, <laughs> that's his intern that walks around with him and gets all the social media stuff. And that, that's it. That's exactly it. Just not what I, I mean, not what many people expected, but Hey, you know what? Uh, he, you know, Brock he's Bowers, a he's damn a, he's good a, tight end, and he will he's be a lunch used as a guy, receiver. Right? First, oh, in, yeah. first out kind of guy, like all those narratives. <laughs> Gronk, Gronk is too. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. You know, he's not about the money. He's not about the the flashiness. Brock Bowers just goes out and gets the job done. That's that's oh. all you're gonna hear now. Also, make the damn kick, Gronk. Come on, what are we doing? Come on, Gronk. What? A, yeah, exactly. Exactly. A uh, fantastic time, though, throughout the 2024 season. Like you mentioned, though, we will not be slowing down. We'll be coming back to you each and every week, especially through these next couple of weeks where we really have a lot of still good stuff to talk about. And then we're going to go into the dead period in a couple of weeks. But we still got some pretty good NFL content action coming to you all for a good while. And then we can really dive into all of that theory and dynasty strategy that we do love as well. But for now, staying in the overreaction realm for a good bit. But there is still all the rookie talk as well. I know Wake Up yesterday was a really big show for going over the ADP coming out of the Destination Debbie rookie draft. Scott had his process that he went through on the rookie draft as well. So make sure you go back and listen to that one as well. And anything else that we got to plug here before we get out? Of course, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's that time of year. Make sure you do use code wake up. If you are into underdog day, they have the big boards and the little boards out right now. I've been tapping into those big boards, uh, building out some draft rooms. If you do use promo code wake up for your first deposit, you will get up to a $100 deposit match. So make sure you do use code wake up and uh, that first deposit will get you that, uh, or your first time deposit will get you that, uh, 100% deposit match up to $100. So make sure you do that. I love doing the big boards, man. I feel like this is the time of year where, where, where dynasty players in particular actually have an advantage. I know people love rookies and things like that, but just kind of knowing how things typically shake out, how you can kind of draft differently. Uh, I think you can find a little bit of an edge this time of year. And yet you may not find Puka, but maybe you do. Maybe you take that shot in the 20th round and find yourself the, you know, the next Puka or Tank Dell that makes a big impact on your best ball rosters. But we've had a lot of fun doing those. Uh, again, make sure you tap in destinationdebbie.com. Tap in there to all the articles that are being dropped. We still got trades going on, uh, the Trinity tool, the war machine, 
all of the, the, the incredible tools that Destination Debbie has. You have to check them out. Hands down the best place to be. And do tap into the Patreon. Get, get in the Discord. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. If you are in the Destination 5 or the Heisman tier, you will have nonstop access to uh, all of the content creators. Ray and Scott jumping in voice chat all the time, ch- chopping it up about what's going on in the offseason. Ray does incredible film reviews. Uh, so you get to, ch- to jump in on those with along with AMAs. These are all things that are exclusive to the Discord. So make sure you do chat tap into that same thing with the the dti5 crew they have their stages um so that you can jump in ask questions pick their brains as well so again destination five tier is where you want to be at or the heisman tier so you can get into that voice chat as well uh but patreon.com forward slash all gas but i think that is all we wouldn't we got a plug here today uh anything else before we wrap out no, fantastic 2023 going into 2024 season but can't wait for this off-season process honestly as much as I do love the NFL and watching games and everything, the dynasty process and the off season of that is probably a little bit more, uh, more fun because it's, you're, you're just trying to stay afloat. It feels like a lot of times during the season, we get to really sit back and then get into startup season as well. Probably got one of those on tap wow. here in the next month or two. Give yeah. going to be a fun time. Cannot wait for startup season. We're going to be doing some startup mock drafts as well. So, so hit us up in the discord if you want to be part of those. Uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff. And then if you are in, the destination Debbie discord you're gonna see the uh daily 2024 superflex and one qb um su- uh yeah rookie mocks rookie that you mocks, can be a part brain jeez yep. brain just totally left me there but yeah uh, again make sure you tap in patreon.com forward slash all gas and thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast <laughs>